This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. While they're doing that, if you'd like to open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 18, our scripture reading this morning can be found in Luke 18, verses 18 through 30. Again, that's Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30 which say this. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Good morning. It's great to be with you. If you have your copy of God's word, if you have that open to Luke 18 as we Uh, continue to plot through the life of Christ. We're at the portion where he is moving quickly towards the cross. Um, In Luke 18, we have this focus point, which is the rich young ruler. And many of us, uh, maybe who have been around the church for some time, are familiar with this passage. But I believe there's a lot here for us to unearth, specifically regarding a new year that's in front of us. So just before we dive in, let's take a moment and pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we are, we are blessed to be your people. We're blessed that you are a God who is not silent, um, but you have spoken. You've spoken through your creation. As we look around and we see the beauty of the earth, we recognize that you are a God who loves beauty. As we recognize the intricacies of, of even the DNA of who we are, Lord, that, that you are, are into the details. And yet, Lord, we see your might because who else can speak things into existence? God, this causes all of us to be in awe of you. And Lord, as we reflect upon how perfect and how good and how strong you are, we also reflect on how weak and how feeble and how needy we are. 
And so, Lord, we come humbly to this place. We, we come humbly as beggars to be fed. And yet we know, Lord, that that's not how you view us. You don't view us as beggars, but you have viewed your church as the bride of Christ, that, that we have been adopted into your family, that we have been given the robes of righteousness. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to our souls this morning. I pray that you would empower us, that you would lift us up, that we would see the blessings that come from the Father through the Son and has enabled us through his Spirit. We pray that we would be strengthened. We pray, Lord, that you would use your word this morning to guard our hearts, to hold us up. And yet, Lord, we are very conscious that there are many in our midst who are, are struggling. Um, Lord, we think of the family of Helen Powell and, and her um, home going to you. We celebrate her life. We celebrate, Lord, in the fact that she rested in the hand of God, in the person of Christ. And Lord, we know that for all of us, it's appointed once to die, and then the judgment. And so, Lord, we, we are thankful for the gift of Christ. We're thankful for our dear sister and her resting in Christ. And yet, Lord, we know there are many who are struggling the loss of loved ones. And, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen them and encourage them. Feed us through your word. Build us up. Equip us. Make us more and more in the image of Christ, our Savior. Lord, protect my words. Help me not to say more nor less than you've given me to say, but God, help me be faithful to your word this morning. We pray each and every week that we would be changed, and so, Lord, that's what we ask. We beg. We plead. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. You know, New Year's a special time, isn't it? It's an opportunity to take some self-inventory. It's an opportunity to reflect. It's an opportunity to begin to ask questions about yourself, like I was last night, like, why am I a University of Michigan fan? <laughs> New Year is that unique opportunity. New Year creates that, that pause, that, that opportunity for freshness. In fact, you see gym, gym memberships uh, rise during the New Year. Many of you decide they're going to get serious about their weight. Others uh, make promises that they're going to start to go through all the things that they belong and start to declutter and get organized. Others may be making uh, promises to save money or to pay down debt. And during this time, people are making those types of commitments, those we call resolutions. Yeah, friends, this is a perfect opportunity to get honest about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity this new year to actually improve our prayer lives. It's an opportunity to, Im to improve our Bible reading. It's an opportunity to improve our church attendance, an opportunity for all of those things as we begin a fresh new year. And yet in our text this morning, we note that the rich young ruler is seriously reflecting upon his own spiritual condition. He asks the question this morning that's before all of us, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, just for a moment... I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever pondered that question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm hopeful that you have had a moment of spiritual reflection. I'm, I'm hopeful that you've taken some moments in your life where you've really reflected, where do I stand with Jesus? 
As a young youth, I remember laying on my bed in my parents' house. I remember looking at a ceiling fan that's going round and round. And I remember asking the question as a child who was raised in the church, as a child who went to Sunday school and went to youth group and and did all of the things that, that kids in churches do. I remember asking myself that night, am I a Christian? I remember asking myself, do I really believe this stuff? It was an honest, searching moment for me as I laid there staring at that stealing fan, as I wrestled with what it was I truly believed. I decided that I would begin to recite what I knew to be the summary of the historic Christian beliefs called the Apostles' Creed. I began to use the Apostles' Creed, which I had heard thousands of times as a child, had recited in church again and again and again to be my benchmark of whether or not I was a believer based upon what the historic creeds had said. As I sat there, as I laid there, as my head was on the pillow, as I, as I looked up at that ceiling fan, I began to recite there in bed the first line. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And I would ask myself right then and there, do I believe that? And I remember feeling in my bones, yes, yes, I really do believe that God is the creator of heaven and earth. So I went on to the next line. In Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And I remember asking myself deep inside, do I believe that? And I remember crying out, yes, yes, I do believe that. And as I went through the entire creed, every phrase, every line, I began to say, I believe. I remember thinking, based upon what the historic church has claimed, I identify myself as a Christian. I identify myself as one who truly does trust and believe in Christ as the Son of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Friends, see, personal reflection is a good thing. It's especially important as we reflect upon our relationship with the Lord. And 2023 has offered each and every one of us a unique opportunity to do that. And friends, that's exactly what we see in our text, this rich young ruler doing. I again note his question, what must I do to inherit eternal life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Friends, as you look at that question that he asked, the rich young ruler, his own personal religion here is exposed. See, listen to his words. What must I do? Did you catch it? His works-based understanding of religion, his belief in self exertion as the means by which one would inherit eternal life. He just wanted to know what things he needed to be busy doing so he could inherit. But notice Jesus' response. Jesus starts a little further back. Jesus wants to go back to what he actually said when he called him a good teacher. Jesus starts by asking an even more central question regarding himself. His question was this, why do you call me good? Jesus wouldn't let him escape the phrase that was used in reference to Christ, goodness. Why do you call me good? Good teacher, verse 18. 
Why do you call me good? In verse 19, he says, there is only one who is good. Here we see the rich young ruler's view of Jesus has been exposed. Again, Jesus is probing to the heart of the matter. Jesus is saying, you view me as a mere man, as a teacher, maybe a good teacher, but you don't view me as who I truly am. Now, I've seen many people try to say, see, Jesus didn't claim to be God. In that text, he he seems to be agreeing that he's not good, that he's just like the rest of us. But friends, that's not what's taking place in the context of what is being said in this text. Jesus is clear to who he is. He's getting to the heart of who the rich young ruler believed him to be. And so Jesus begins to move through the rich young ruler's original question. What must I do to be saved? Jesus is fine. You want to know about exertion? You want to know about effort? You want to know about works? I'll tell you. Here's the law of God. Here's the commandments. There's the standard. That's what's expected of you. If that's what you want, there it is. And Jesus begins to walk the rich young ruler through those commands. Jesus is basically saying if one is going to seek to earn their salvation, turn to those. Jesus is saying turn to the commandments for they are the key, the standard of holiness. Someone may ask, but Jesus didn't believe in a works-based salvation. But Jesus was making it clear that if somebody wanted to try to climb the Mount Everest of holiness, they would have to follow the law of God perfectly. So if you're going to endeavor to do that, here it is. Jesus makes it clear that the rich young ruler understands the standard. But here the rich young rulers reply, I've kept all those. (laughs) A foolishness. A foolishness. I've kept all those since my youth. Everyone knows youth don't do what they're supposed to do. (laughs) And yet here this rich young ruler, still probably a youth himself, thinks I'm doing pretty good. I've been keeping all those. Really? You can just see Jesus' eyebrow go up. Really? Really? That's your self-examination? That's your understanding? The problem is, that's how we examine ourselves all the time. We compare ourselves to the wrong standards. We compare ourselves to other broken vessels, rather than the standard of perfection and holiness. Problem is, we look from our own perspective, and therefore we're not giving ourselves the true, honest self inventory we need. We need an outside source, an outside standard to truly evaluate ourselves. And the Lord has given us that in the Word of God. That's why Bible reading is so important. That's why attending church and the fellowship of the saints and sitting under the Word of God is so important because the more we distance ourselves from that, the more we begin to look good. The more we spend time with the world, the more we can compare ourselves and say, I'm not that bad. One would wonder how often the rich young ruler actually attended the synagogue. How often he actually sat under the rabbis. Did he not realize how hard 
the law of God was? Had he not heard the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy? Had he understood the responsibility with what it means to truly keep the law? Yet here Jesus brings clarity, just as Jesus had done in the past. Jesus in the past had brought clarity to the understanding that one isn't obeying the law simply by doing outward things, but it was a matter of the heart. Listen to Jesus' words. You've heard it said, but I say, right? You've heard this before. Jesus said, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. But Jesus said, if you hate in your heart, you've committed murder already. Jesus went on to say, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But Jesus said, If a man lusts after a woman in his heart, he's committed adultery already. Jesus was directing through his regular teaching for over three and a half years the truth of the heart. And yet here, the rich young ruler does what? He simply says, I've kept all those. I've done it. I've met the standard. I'm good, right? But Jesus throws a knockout blow. Jesus punches him square in the face. I love the theologian Mike Tyson who said, everybody has a plan until you're punched in the face. That's exactly what happens here in our text. Verse 22, one thing you still lack. Now Jesus is just being nice to say one thing. Jesus said, I'm just going to pull out the, the center thing. I'm going I'm to deal with the, the heart of the matter. I'm going to deal with the, the centerpiece. Jesus never even acknowledged the rich young ruler's self-deception. He just goes right to the heart of the matter. He, he points out to the rich young ruler's imperfection as he says, you still lack one thing. Jesus made it clear that none are righteous, no, not one. Paul uses those words, but Jesus is making it abundantly clear. See, the law of God does something, and it exposes our sin. It's never meant to save us. It's never meant for us to earn our way. It's meant to expose our sin. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans 3.20. For by works of law, no man being No man, I'm sorry, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in the sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. From the law comes the knowledge of sin. So friends, I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you taking an honest inventory of yourself? See, a preacher can stand behind this pulpit and people can say, man, all he ever talks about is sin. I'm truly trying to be a friend. I'm trying to be a good pastor. Everybody wants to be patted on the back and said, we're doing okay and everything's wonderful. But the scriptures tell us we're commanded to remind people that they're to examine their sin. We're to put sin to death. That old theologian, John Owen, said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Sin is a big deal. And so here, we're to examine an honest self-inventory. Where am I sinning? Where am I failing? Not because I can clean myself up, but because it drives me to the one who can. It pushes me to get outside of myself and to run to Jesus. 
See, that's what's beautiful about the law. It pushes me to get away from myself and to run to Jesus. So as Jesus begins to expose the heart of the rich young ruler, look what he says in verse 22. One thing you lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. It's amazing what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is showing his goodness. He's showing that he is God. He's showing his lordship overall as he tells him, go sell everything you have and then surrender and follow me. I want to be your everything. And friend, that's exactly what Jesus wants from each and every one of us. He wants to be our everything. That's why he came. He's a jealous God. He doesn't want to share our affections. He doesn't want to share our attention. He wants everything. If you think I'm jumping a little off base, just hear Jesus' own words. Jesus taught this repeatedly about complete dedication. Listen to Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first, and then all these other things will be added to you. Or how about Matthew 6.24? No one can serve two masters. For he will hate the one and love the other. He will despise the one and, dis- and de- be devoted to the one and despise the other. He finally says, you cannot serve God and money. He wants his full det- attention, full devotion, full affection. Or how about Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, Completely. Uh, quit trying to put God in a, in a box to pull him out just on Sundays. Love him completely. That is the first and great commandment. And the second is like in it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. Do you catch it? Love God and then love others like yourself. The old acrostic I learned as a child was joy, Jesus, others, yourself. How often we flip that. Regularly. Regularly. Hearing Jesus get to the heart, feeling the sting of the punch in the face. We're told in verse 23, the rich young ruler became very sad. He wasn't just sad. He was very sad. He was devastated. He was devastated by the news he heard. Was Jesus being mean? No, I think Jesus truly loved this man. He loved him in a way we can't even fathom. He created him from the dust. And what's absolutely astounding in this is that when he's punched in the face, he does what so many others do. He ran from Jesus, the very source of life, the very place of hope. Rather than running into the arms of Jesus, he ran from Jesus. And so then we have Jesus' comments in verse 25. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. Why is Jesus picking on rich people? Well, it says in the text of Luke that this man was very wealthy. That was the reason he was very sad. That's why he ran away, according to Mark. But before we start beating up on the 1%, let me give you a little perspective. We do well to remember that in America and Europe, we are wealthier than 90% of the world's population. The poorest 
of the poor in America and Europe are included in being wealthier than 90% of the world's population. Statistically, I did a little research, and it came out to about $10 a day is what the average people in the world, household in the world, lives off of. $10 a day. And so before we become so judgmental at thinking that Jesus is just offering roadblocks for the rich, remember, that includes us. Friends, let me be very honest. We can see in this text how a hard heart gets in the way of loving Jesus and loving our neighbors well. We can find ourselves loving stuff. I mean, today, big money is made in storage units. I'm not picking on it. I mean, it's just the reality that we, we store, we store because we never know we want more. But really, the issue isn't just stuff, it's comfort. We're about our own pleasure rather than seeking the pleasure of the one who created us. There's an author by the name of Neil Postman, and I think he sums up the problem very eloquently just in the title of his book. The title of his book is this, We're Amusing Ourselves to Death Through Comfort and Enjoyment. And convenience. We're amusing ourselves to death. And this is Jesus' point. He is life. Everything else is death. And you're spending all of your energy and all of your resources pursuing that rather than me. That's the heart to which Jesus preaches and teaches. Friends, how many do we know that have walked away from Christ because of their love of sin, their love of stuff, their enjoyment of comfort. My prayer is that we will discover ourselves the way in which we are amusing ourselves to death so we can repent and run to Jesus. That's my prayer for First Pres in 2023. That we'll quit playing religion and we will truly follow Jesus. story continues in verse 26. He says very clearly, then who can be saved? Who can be saved? That's the question, who can be saved? Well, see, that question is asked by the multitudes because they recognized that many, many understood the fact that God blessed the spiritual. The spiritual were the wealthy ones. And so when the crowd heard Jesus make this statement, how did they respond? They responded simply. Who then can be saved if not the rich? Notice Jesus' response in verse 27. What is impossible for man is possible for God. Church, hear this loud and clear. All we rich, poor alike, we must understand we need to admit our need. We must admit our guilt. We must admit our sin. This is what makes the grace of God so necessary is that we're so needy. We cannot save ourselves. Only God can save us. We must depend fully upon the grace of God. 
Hence why it's called the good news. Hence why the statement is, it's a free gift. It was already stated in our earlier prayer, apart from God's grace, none can be saved. Listen to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one can boast. Salvation from beginning to end is the work of God. The point is this. None of us are good. We all need Jesus, who alone is good, because he alone is God, and he came to save. In that moment, hearing Jesus' pronouncement, Peter, as he always does, speaks up for the disciples. Look what he says in verse 28 kind of justifying him and the disciples, he says, we've left our homes and followed you. (laughs) We've left everything. We've pursued you. We've run after you. Surely you're not talking about us. Watch what happens in verses 29 and 30. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many more times in this life and the age to come. Did you catch it? It's an absolutely astounding answer that Jesus gives Peter. You you would think he would correct Peter. He would remind Peter where the source of goodness comes from, where the ability comes from. You would think he would tell Peter off, where do you think you get your ability to do what you did, Peter? But no, he responds with grace, telling him an incredible statement, an incredible statement in light of what Jesus had just said, that it was impossible for man, is possible for God, After making his point that we're saved 100% by grace, notice Jesus' gentleness in his answer. Jesus says, you'll be rewarded for your obedience. You'll be rewarded for your obedience. And friends, where does the obedience come from? From the changed heart and and the gifting and the strengthening of the Holy Spirit has been gifted to us understand that what Jesus is saying is God doesn't just bless us with an eternal home. God overflows us with blessings upon blessings. Riches upon riches. As we are brought into the kingdom through his work, through his gifting, through his deliverance, This overflowing blessing of the grace of God is utterly amazing. And so I'd ask us, how many of us have recently paused and asked the question, Lord, let me count the ways you've blessed me. Let me celebrate in your benevolence and care and compassion for me. Friends, remember the original question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Did you hear Jesus' answers? We can do nothing. What's impossible with man is only possible with God. Listen to the word inherit. The very word inherit is the idea of being given something because of the labors of another. Many of us have received an inheritance by the death of a loved one. Maybe it was a mother or a father or an aunt. And we've received the blessing and inherited the blessing of their labor. We didn't work for it. We were just blessed with it. Friends, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the truth of what Jesus came to do. Jesus, who alone is good, 
came in all of his work, all of his life, all of his inheritance, he shares with us. What absolutely an astounding truth as we come to the truth that what is impossible for man is possible for God. Church, we as Christians are marked by faith and repentance. We're marked by faith and repentance. The truth of the matter is, as Jesus said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The calling of that, repentance and belief, is important. As I laid there on my bed as a child examining my faith, using that historic creed, the Apostles' Creed, to examine, do I believe these things? It's the mark, as theologians say, of a changed heart. Regeneration, we call it. The fruit of regeneration is belief. But equally coupled with that is the twin sister of repentance. Not only do I believe in those historic truths, I confess my sin, and I confess and trust in the work of Jesus. And church, I ask you, This morning, what about you? As you examine yourself for this new year, where do you stand with Christ? What does your relationship with him honestly look like? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we close our Bibles, as we walk away from this important message about a new year of perspective regarding our trusting in the finished work of Jesus. May we remember the grace, the benevolence, the love that has been given to us through the finished work of Jesus and the fact that our hearts are softened through the work of the Holy Spirit all because the Father loves us. May we respond appropriately and obediently knowing that even there we're given blessings because you are a gracious God. Our cups overflow. Surely goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives. Lord, thank you for your love. Strengthen us in our faith. Equip us in our walks. May we honor you. May you truly be our chief love and greatest joy. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. And God's people said. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.